Chapter 43 Cassie I fell. Almost blind, with Roach's eyes, I fell. I focused my mind on one thing. Morphing. No time to wonder about where the ocean surface was. No time to worry about the velic. Morph. 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 Hands. Legs. Arms. Eyes. Eyes! I could see. Below me, as far as I could see in every direction. Water. Tiny, white-peaked waves. Ripples that caught the sunlight. It was beautiful. Blue sky above. Blue water below. Water that would be hard as concrete if I hit too fast. I could see Tobias circling above. And in the water below, the tiny pale gray cylinders of Jake and Rachel and Marco. And then, coming up to meet me like a tornado. The Velik. It had sensed the morphing energy from my transformation back to human. Was I fully human? Yes, I must be, because the exhaustion that hit me in a wave made my eyes flutter and my limbs go weak. Too many morphs. Too quickly. And now... Morph! 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 I ordered myself. Focus! Concentrate! Believe! But the changes were slow. So slow. I focused my mind. But I was so tired. And it was so easy to just fall and fall and fall. Morph, Cassie! Do it! I felt changes. I felt myself growing. And then, it was on me. The Velik fired ropes of dust at me. They wrapped around me like the tentacles of an octopus. Wrapped around my hands that had become flippers. Around my legs that were melting together. Ignore it! Morph! It's the only hope! I felt the Velik taking my weight. My momentum was slowing, but we were still dropping, me and the Velik together. Through the dust storm, I caught a glimpse of the ocean below me. The cigar shapes of my friends were too large, too close. Morph, Cassie. One more time. Morph. But I didn't have the strength. I was beaten. And then, at that moment, I felt the edge of the whale's brain brushing against mine. Its instincts. It's DNA memories. Help me, I pleaded. In a dream of falling and falling, I reached out to a dark, vast being that I could not define. I reached out for the whale's strength. Morph! Finish the morph! Finish it, and then you can rest. Chapter 44 Rachel at first, I couldn't see her. But then, the cockroach grew and became larger. I could see her as a dot, way, way up in the sky. Here she comes, I said. The Velik shuddered, sensing this new prey. Should we try to keep the Velik interested any longer? I asked. No, Jake said. It's up to Cassie now. Someday, Jake will be a general or a president. He has that ability to make hard decisions, even about people he cares for. She fell and grew and became human again. She's too close, not enough time, I yelled. The Velik, it will slow her down, Marco said. None of us had ever done so many morphs in such a short time. It was mind-boggling. It was impossible. And yet, 
as the velik wrapped itself around her, she was already sprouting the flukes of a humpback whale. Now all we could see was the velik. The dust storm wrapped around Cassie. It slowed. It slowed. And then... Am I crazy, or is it falling faster? Marco asked. Yes, and yes! I cried. She did it! Like a rock, the velik fell. Faster. Faster. It could not support the growing weight. It had not been able to lift an elephant, and what it was holding now was so much bigger. It was wrapped around a full-grown humpback whale, and it was falling toward the ocean. At the last second, the velik tried to break free, but it had wrapped itself too tightly around the prey that was no longer prey. I dove beneath the surface just in time to witness. Spaloosh! The tornado hit the water. All the billions of particles slammed into the ocean waves. In a split second, it was gone, washed away. And exploding from the doomed velik, emerging from the wasted tornado, was a huge, sleek creature that depth-charged fifty feet straight down. Cassie! 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 Are you alright? There was no answer. The well fell through the water. Cassie! Answer me! And then there came a kick from the massive whale tail. Ha ha! Cassie yelled. Take that, you big bag of wind! Cassie power kicked her way to the surface and shot clear of the water. Hey, Visser 3! Cassie crowed. I washed your dog for you! She fell back with a mighty splash, and we raced to join her. Good job, Cassie! Jake said. Scratch one Velik. I can't believe it, Marco said. We actually won one. We won. We flat out kicked butt. Cassie, you must be exhausted, Tobias said, swooping low and slow above us. Not anymore, Cassie said. I feel great. I thought we were beat. And guess what? We aren't. Not yet. Not by a long shot. Then, to my total amazement, she began to sing the deep, strange, haunting song of the humpback. The sound waves thrilled me. I don't quite know why. What are you singing? Jake asked her. What are the words? It isn't words, exactly, Cassie said. But if it were, it would be just one. Hope. Hello, Phantomorphs, and thank you for listening to another episode of Audiomorphs, the Animorphs auditory experience. As always, this is your host, Daniel, and I bet you were not expecting to hear from me so soon. I did it bad, y'all. I screwed up on my chapter distribution. I thought we had maybe like four or five or six chapters left. We had two, and they were pretty short chapters, so this episode... Ended real quick, huh? Uh, to kind of make up for that, 
I actually went ahead and recorded um, the next book starts with a prologue, breaks the format a little bit. So I recorded that prologue and I'm just going to drop it in here at the end of this these announcements. It's just so you have a little bit extra to, to hear, maybe get excited for the next book. I don't know. Um, if you do choose to listen to that, just fair warning, I will also be putting it at the start of the next episode, which um, I will probably try to make a little longer to make up for that, you know, add a little bit of extra content. But just as a heads up, you'll hear it twice if you choose to listen to the end of this and the start of the next one. But we are done with Megamorphs number one. We made it. We're, we are back to our regularly scheduled num- numerical book orders now book number eight coming up next so that's very exciting we've knocked down another book in the animorphs pantheon i don't have anything especially uh, new else to announce other than i'd like to give a thanks and a shout out to avian dalek who suggested the new intro song thank you to avian dalek and now for some standard announcements you know the drill if you like this Go to audiomorphs.podbean.com. You can hear more. You can just search Audiomorphs anywhere you would search for a podcast. Find it that way, too. If you use iTunes, be certain to leave a rating and a review. Those are always super cool to get. If you don't use iTunes, tell a friend. That's always cool for me as well. I'd also like to give a shout-out to sister podcast, The Equalizers, friends Mike and Madison, pitch movie sequel ideas for movies that don't have sequels it's very funny very good search the equalizers anywhere you'd search for a podcast that's equalizers e-q-u-e-l-i-z-e-r-s it's like sequelizers but without the s in the front i also have a side podcast called okay crusader where I invite guests on and we take some random characters from the unofficial Marvel Wiki and we discuss and rank how dateable we find them. It's just some good, raunchy, fun times that can be found at shoutengine.com slash okcrusader or by searching okcrusader, same places you search for audiomorphs or the equalizers. It's all, it's all out there. We, we put this stuff up everywhere. It's great. If you'd like to reach me, you can do that at audiomorphscast at gmail.com or audiomorphscast.tumblr.com. Okay, that is all I have for you this week. Thank you again for listening and celebrating with me as we finish Megamorphs number one. I will see you next week for the start of Animorphs book number eight. My name is Daniel, and I believe one day the Andalites will come. Until then, we fight. Prologue. Before Earth. Prepare for return to normal space, Captain Nearfur said in thought speak. I was on the bridge of our dome ship. It was an amazing moment. I had never been on the bridge before. I had always been stuck in my quarters, or up in the dome. It was an honor to be on the battle bridge with the full warriors, the princes, and the captain himself. It was because I was Alfangor's little brother. An artist like me, a warrior cadet, wouldn't have been on the bridge otherwise. Especially not an artist 
who had once run into Captain Nearfur so hard he'd fallen over and ended up bruising one of his eye stalks. It was an accident, but still, it's just not a good idea for lowly cadets to go plowing into great heroes. But everyone loved Alfangor, so they had to tolerate me. That's the story of my life. If I live 200 years, I'll probably still be known as Alfangor's little brother. We came out of Z-Space, or Zero Space, a realm of white emptiness, back into normal space. Through the monitors, I saw nothing but blackness dotted with stars. And there, just ahead of us, no more than half a million miles away, was a small, mostly blue planet. Is that Earth? I asked Alfangor. I didn't realize there was so much water. Can you get old Hoofentail to let me go down to the planet with you? Aximili, shut up! Alfangor said quickly. He looked slightly sick and cast a dubious glance at Captain Nerfer. I guess I had been thought-speaking a little loudly. Alfangor was worried that the war prince Nerfer might have overheard. But I was sure I hadn't been that loud. I mean, I really didn't think that. Old Hoofentail, eh? Captain Nerfer said. Is that what they call me? Alfangor shot me a poisonous look. I'm sure this artist didn't mean any disrespect. I think my brother would have liked to throw me out of the nearest airlock right at that moment. Slowly, Nerfer turned his two main eyes toward me. He was a frightening old Andalite, a great warrior, a great hero, Alfangor's idol. Ah, it's the ruffian, the wild rat who knocked me over. He nodded. Old Hoofentail, is it? Well, I kind of like the name. He slowly winked one eye at Alfangor. I suppose we'll have to let the ruffian live. Suddenly, Yurks, we have a Yurk mothership in orbit over the planet! The warrior at the sensor station cried. They're launching fighters! I count twelve Yurk bug fighters! Another warrior cried. They're on an intercept course! They'll be in firing range in twelve Earth minutes! Captain Nerfer turned his face and main eyes toward my brother, while his stock eyes kept watch on the monitors. The humor was gone from his face. Prince Alfangor, it is time. Launch all fighters. But Alfangor hadn't waited for orders. He was already halfway out the door. My tail banged into the doorway as I plowed after him. Get to the dome, Aximili, Alfangor said. But I want to fight, I said. I can fly a fighter as well as... Do not argue with me, Aximili. Earths do not go into battle. You are not a full warrior yet. Go to the dome. You will be safer there. I don't want to be safe, I said. But a warrior, even a warrior cadet, has to obey orders. Alfangor was my brother. He was also my prince. I could hear the thought-speak announcements coming from the bridge. Yurk bugfighters closing fast. We are entering the outer gravitational field of the planet. Alfangor and I came to a pair of drop shafts. Warriors were zooming down, heading for the fighter bays. I would have to go up to reach the dome. The upward drop shaft was empty. It made me angry. Everyone was fighting but me. When it was all over, Alfangor would be even more of a big hero, and I would still be the little brother. The child. 
Alfenko hesitated for just a moment before rushing on. He arced his tail forward. I reached forward with my own tail, arcing it over my back. We touched tail blades. You'll have your chance to fight, Aximili, my brother said. Very soon, your fighter will fly side by side with mine, but not in this battle. Yes, my prince, I said, sounding very stiff and formal. But as he turned to enter the drop shaft, I couldn't let him go thinking I was mad at him. I said, Hey, Alfangor, go burn some slugs. That's the plan, little brother, he said with a laugh. That's the plan. It was the last I saw of him. He disappeared down the drop shaft. I went upward to the great dome. The dome was the heart of our ship. It was a vast, round, open plain of grass and trees and running water from our home planet, all covered by a transparent dome. I was alone there, the only non-warrior on the ship, the only one without a battle to fight. I could see the blue planet above me, hanging in a black sky. It had a moon, just a dead ball of dust. But the planet looked alive. I could see white clouds swirling. Its yellow sun's light sparkled off the vast oceans. This planet was known to be inhabited by a reasonably intelligent species. We had learned a little about them in school. My main eyes were drawn to the brilliant flares of engine exhaust as our fighters lanced toward the onrushing yurks. I was far from the battle bridge now, beyond the range of their thought speak. I heard nothing in my head and my ears only heard the sound of a gentle artificial breeze ruffling the leaves of the trees. I stood on blue-green grass and watched tiny pinpoints of light as the battle was joined in orbit above the blue planet. And then, I felt it, a tremor that rolled through my mind, a wave of coldness, a premonition, like a waking nightmare. I turned my stock eyes away from the battle, toward the dead moon of the blue planet. And there I saw it, a black shape against the gray-white light of the moon, a shape like some twisted battle-axe. Blade ship, I whispered. A viscer's blade ship! Our fighters were all away. Our dome ship had massive weapons, but the blade ship was fast and maneuverable. Too fast. The warriors on the battle bridge had no choice. They had to separate the dome in order to be able to fight. I felt a grinding, crunching sensation as the dome was released to drift free of the main line of the ship. Then, silence as the dome floated free. Slowly, the rest of my ship rotated into sight. Without the dome, it looked like a long stick, with the huge bulge of engines on the far end and the smaller bulge of the battle bridge in the middle. They were trying to turn to meet the blade ship. Too slow. The blade ship fired. No! Dracon beams, as bright as a sun, lanced through space. The ship fired again, again, again. An explosion of light. A silent explosion like a small sun going nova. The ship, my ship, blew up into its separate atoms. One huge flash of light, and a hundred Andalite warriors died. Boom! The shockwave hit the dome. It was translated into sound. The grass beneath my hoofs slammed up at me. A terrible rattling, shaking, heaving. Ah! 
My knees buckled and I fell to the grass. Everything was spinning, wildly out of control. I could feel the artificial gravity weaken. The stabilizers had failed. The dome was falling, falling out of orbit. The dome slid down the gravity well, down toward the blue planet. Red-hot glowing atmosphere turned the sky above me to fire. Emergency engines kicked in with a loud whoosh, but they could only slow the descent, not stop it. The dome hurtled at shocking speed down and down and down through the atmosphere, down toward the sparkling sea. Crush! The dome hit the water, boiling, steaming water. It rushed over the dome. I was sinking, sinking beneath the ocean of the blue planet. I was powerless, terrified, alone. After an eternity, the dome crunched heavily onto the ocean floor. Looking up, I could barely see the surface of the water a hundred feet or more over the top of the dome. I climbed shakily to my four hooves. I was standing on a vast open plain that was a piece of my own planet. A blue-green park, hidden deep beneath an alien sea. And there I waited for weeks. I sent out thought-speak cries to my brother. I knew he would save me, if he still lived. But in the end, it was not Alfangor who found me. It was five creatures from the planet. Five humans, as they call themselves. They were the ones who told me of Alfangor's last minutes of life. He had broken Andalite law and custom by giving these humans the power to morph. I was shocked, but tried to hide it. And they had witnessed Alfangor's death. His cold-blooded murder by the Yurk Overlord, Visser Three. Visser Three, who slaughtered my helpless, wounded brother. Visser Three, the only Yurk ever to infest and control an Andalite body. Visser Three, known to all Andalites as the Abomination the only Andalite controller. He had killed Alvangor, and I had inherited a terrible burden. By Andalite custom, I would be required to avenge my brother's death. Someday, I would have to kill Visser Three 